Welcome to ECB Everything College Basketball, cooking it up with Tyler, Josh, and Peyton. Yeah. It's everything college basketball. We're marching on to the madness. Come to full court press, every crazy dunk in the conference and how that team's back up. We're pulling your poles, taking your bows, letting the Burton brothers know. The players you're watching, the teachers you're not with, and who you see in the final four. With them shout outs and weekly pickums, plus those crazy rants from Tyler, Josh, and Peyton. It's ECB, everything college basketball, training three. Man, this podcast has it all. It's ECB, everything college basketball, training three. Yeah, now the moment you've all been waiting for Your host, from the corner It's Josh and Peyton Burton With Tyler Cool Everything College Basketball Podcast College Basketball Podcast, episode number 66. I'm, of course, Josh Burton. My name is Peyton Burton. And Peyton, we're excited to announce that today is our first day being sponsored by our brand new title sponsor. Yes, as of course everybody knew, for all the months and all them episodes, we were brought to you by Applied Rec Painting Services. Now we have a new one. Same owner, new partner, new company, our brand new title sponsor is RNA HVAC and Remodeling owners, group members, J.R. Rowe, Chris Alt, Peyton. They've combined forces with J.R.'s ability when painting and that side of things, and Chris Alt's ability to HVAC and fix air conditioning and all that stuff. They've combined forces to expand their horizons. So now we are sponsored. Go ahead and get it uh, programmed into your brains. R&A, that'd be Rowe and Alt, HVAC and remodeling. Hit them up on Facebook. They have a Facebook page, or individually hit up JRO and Chris Alt individually for all your basically anything around the house needs painting, HVAC, and everything in between. They're doing it all. They're doing it right, and they're ECB's title sponsor. So make sure you don't go anywhere else besides RNA HVAC and remodeling. And of course, Peyton. Tell them that we sent you. Oh, yeah, 100%. Tell them we sent you. Obviously, J.R. Rowe's been a sponsor for a very long time with him and Applied Right. But obviously, he's regrouped and had now him and Chris Alt doing this together, both in the Facebook group. And hey, both Purdue fans, so no wonder. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure we put, I don't know, like a couple weeks ago, we put, when they announced this, we put the business, their business card in the. Um, Facebook group, but after the show's over and after the show gets posted, I'll probably re-put it in there and put it in the announcement so you guys can see that better. But yeah, go give them a shout-out, go give them a look, and tell them ECB sent you. Yep, that's RNA HVAC and Remodeling. Owners, J.R. Rowe and Chris Alt. Like I said, send them a message. Go like their Facebook page. They also have their phone numbers on their business cards here, so you can either contact 812-447-7970 or... 812-374-2015 for either one of these gentlemen. Again, tell me CB sent you and don't go anywhere else. No, not at all. So with that being said, Peyton, we are here on episode 66, fresh off the heels of episode 65, where we 
took a look around and previewed the SEC conference. Before we jump into anything else, Peyton, any kind of final look backs on the SEC conference from last week? Any <clears throat> any um, feedback that you received on it? Um, I didn't receive. Well, I know everybody enjoyed the show, which is great. But a couple things that I want to talk about, or at least one thing that's funny to me is I went on Instagram about like three or two days ago. I think it was two days ago. I think it was. And I follow, obviously, I'm a college basketball fan and stuff like that. So I follow a bunch of, like, college basketball fan sites who cover college basketball for a living. And this one um, Facebook or Instagram page called SBE College Hoops has been posting, like, polls on, like, their Instagram stories and saying, asking their fans if, like, um, is Louisville, like, a top 25 team, yes or no? Is Kentucky, like, a top 10 team, yes or no? And a bunch of other teams. And he actually posted about Tennessee. He asked his fans, is Tennessee a top 25 team, a top 25 team this year? And I responded to him because I clicked yes. Like 60% of the votes said no. That's just hold people up. don't. Yeah, hold up. I replied to his thing and I said, they're top five good. They bring in a top 10 class with big time pieces coming back. I don't know what the hell people are smoking these days thinking Tennessee's not top 10 good. Yeah. LOL. So did he I, respond back? No, he didn't even see it. But I thought that was funny, and they, he posted a couple ones today, like as Illinois, like a top twenty-five school, and like another again, the top ten, top five school team this year. I just think it's fun. What kind of people are on Instagram clicking no to Tennessee not even being a top twenty-five? I don't understand. I Surely just thought, it's people who just don't know college basketball or dislike Tennessee. Yeah, I dislike Tennessee, but I have a win in the conference. Yeah, I do too. Peyton, I have him was a favorite to win the national championship. And even, I just had one night here, I just posted some of his stories. He said, is Louisville a top 15 team this year? And I said no, because I'm not biased, because I don't think we're a top 15. But 61% of the votes said yes, which I obviously don't agree with. So that's either people who just don't know college basketball or fanboys. Yeah, right well, here. It's Illinois top 25 team. 60% said yes. I feel like they're top 10. Yeah. But, I don't know. That's kind of funny to me, though. So, the... ECB knows best, so that's all I had to say. But I think we got the SEC predictions correct. Both I, of I us. I think it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty Tennessee close. is going to be top-heavy. Tennessee is going to be very, very talented uh, once again, which is very, very scary for teams like Kentucky, Auburn, etc. And then I think Kentucky, Auburn, LSU are nipping at their heels, even Alabama. Yes. Within a game. I feel like teams like Texas and them could be sneaky good and sneak in the tournament somehow. Yeah. <clears throat> I think Arkansas is like a sleeper pick. What? We say I had it predicted what nine teams in, in the tournament for the SEC. I think I had seven to eight, which leads us into this beautiful segue. By the way, speaking of the NCAA tournament, as we creep closer, we are only uh, what a month and two weeks away. We're basically what five or six weeks away from the turn or from the season starting on November twenty fifth. Four days ago, Joey Brackets Joe already came out with a most recent bracketology. Now, keep in mind, we know this doesn't mean anything, but for people like us, it's fun to debate and talk about. So, the most recent bracketology, nothing's changed on the one line. You still have Gonzaga, one in the west, Baylor, one in the south, Virginia, one in the midwest, Villanova, one in the east. I don't have a problem with any of those. I think Uh, those are solid. I think, yeah, I like those. I like the number one seeds. Let's start talking about some stuff that we do have problems with, okay? Let's look around at the south. If this was theoretical, tournament started tomorrow, we get it, right? Yeah. In the South, we have one Baylor, 16 Liberty. Eight Purdue, nine Miami. That would be a barn burner. We talked about Purdue's defensive prowess. We talked about 
Um, them getting back this year, actually getting to play um, Brandon Newman, Brandon Newman and company versus Miami, a guy Chris likes led team. Yeah, that could be interesting if that was the case. Five Oregon, twelve UNC Greensboro. I love the SoCon, but I don't think Oregon. We're gonna talk a lot Oregon here lately, here in a little bit. Oregon's gonna be good again this year. Yeah, I think they're undervalued at the five seed. To be honest, uh, that's debatable. Here's a team that's. A four seed, and that you can call me a homer, but they're at least to me a three, borderline two. They're not a one, but I think at least a three, borderline two. But they have Kentucky as a four, 13 South Dakota State. Um, I think Kentucky's a four or three seed. It's starting off the season. Obviously, once the season starts, they could jump up to a two seed. But right I, think now, I think three is more fair than a four. Four, but it's, well, if they're keeping this region, I understand why they're a four seed. Yeah, that's and it'd be in Boise. Yeah. So, but nonetheless, you have in the same bracket in the South six Louisville and Lenardi has them fallen, which is crazy because he's not even played a game. Versus eleven San Diego State, and I know the Aztecs aren't like they were last year, where they were a top five team, but you never count out San Diego State because they always going to defend. They're always going to rebound for. Um, out there, so that could be real interesting if that was a real matchup. Yeah, that could have been on an upset watch. Uh, obviously, Louisville, my team, uh, I'm not biased in any way possible, so I agree with this 6 seed. I think we might actually be like a 7 seed to start the season off. Once we start playing games, once we start playing teams like Kentucky, in the ACC schools, maybe we can jump up to maybe like a high of a 3 seed, high of a 4 seed. Right now, I think 6 and 7 is the perfect seeding for us. I'm fine with this matchup. So the 3 seed, 3 vote 14, 3 is Creighton. And I think that's about right because Peyton, we'll talk next week about him when we go to the Big East. Creighton, people better not sleep down there in Omaha, Nebraska because Creighton's the real deal. They will challenge Villanova for the Big East. I don't understand how Villanova's a 1 seed and Creighton's a 3 seed. I think Creighton's a 2 seed. Yeah, Marcus Zagorowski is going to have a big year, I think, for, yeah. the, for the Blue Jays. Uh, Moving down in the bottom part of that bracket in the south, it'd be seven Arizona State, ten UConn. That would be a battle of the Hurley brothers, by the way. Bobby versus Danny. That I, Obviously, you can't tell me. We've talked about this before. The NCAA set these matchups on purpose. Uh, Whether it's big-time players against each other, coaches, rivalries. They do this on purpose, even though they say they don't. Because why else would Arizona... State as a seven seed be flown out to Detroit for the first two rounds. Two years when they could be anywhere else. They could be in Wichita. It's closer. They could be in San Jose, Boise, somewhere on the West Coast. But now they're going to fly them to Detroit if this was the case, just so they could play Danny Hurley in the Hurley battle. Come on now. Yeah, this doesn't surprise me at all. They love these type of matchups. They love storylines. Two years ago, go back to episode sixteen of the podcast when we did our tournament break, uh, breakdown. Um, giving our predictions for the NCAA tournament. You had Louisville, who's a 7 seed, going against Minnesota, who's a 10 yep. seed. Richard Pitino, Rick Pitino, coach at Louisville. Rick Pitino got fired from Louisville, et cetera, et cetera. So you get where I'm going with that. There's a storyline there, and there's a storyline here with the both Hurley brothers. So I, this doesn't surprise me at all. But don't sleep on Arizona State, as I'll mention later. So to finish off the South, though, Peyton, the 2 seed would be Wisconsin, which I think... We'll get into that here in a minute. I love this Wisconsin team, but no way they should flip-flop with Illinois, who they have in the four seed. We'll talk about that in a second. But looking at this bracket in the South, Peyton, for both of our teams to make the Final Four, for me, we'd have to go through South Dakota State, which should be fairly easy. They don't have Mike Dom no more. <laughs> then you'd have to play Oregon in the second round. 
And then more than likely Baylor, who's arguably the best team in the country in the Sweet 16, and then either a combination of Louisville, Creighton, Arizona State, or Wisconsin in the Elite Eight. That's brutal. And on your side... Yeah, unless uh, we get through San Diego State, which could be upset. Uh, if we win that game, we probably have to play against Creighton, which is Creighton's going to be very, very talented. If we win that, then Wisconsin most likely. and just It's just tough. It's a tough going for both of our teams. I think it's funny because last week I mentioned about if Louisville, Kentucky didn't play like the game this uh, this year in like, December. Um, I think it would be funny if we met in the tournament. I actually said that last week. We'd be on a crash course We'd be on a crash course for the Elite Eight or Sweet yeah. 16. No, Elite Eight. Oh, yeah, I guess it is Elite Eight. But, yeah, that would be a fun matchup if we can get to that. But either way, if one well, of us can get hitting you hard, ain't it? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it'd definitely be very, very tough for both of our teams, though. Yeah, by the way, we took a couple shots of Jim Beam. Shout out to our Kentucky uh, brethren down there. I just Make know fine, fine. Ve- I can't do a Donald Trump impression, but it's very fine whiskey. I'm not even going to try. <laughs> Peyton, looking at this, again, this. let's keep in mind, this was October 7th. It doesn't mean anything. You remember go back to October 7th last year, teams that we were high on, like Washington and Florida, were top four seeds. And neither one of them, Florida was better off than Washington. But it, it doesn't matter. This will change a million times between March and now. But it's fun to talk about now. Peyton, I want you to pick out some stuff. Um, I mentioned it right away. Some stuff that I think is blatantly disrespectful. Illinois, Wisconsin meet should be flip-flopped, or at least meet in the middle, both should be three seeds. Wisconsin's going to be good. We've previewed mm-hmm. the Big Ten. Wisconsin will be good. Greg Gard was coach of the year last year in the conference. Wisconsin brings back a lot. I get that. But Illinois, to me, is the star of the Big Ten this year, and you have them as a four seed. I think that's disrespectful. I think the Illini, at least on paper right now, are better than a four seed. I think they are as well. As mentioned with Creighton, I feel like they should be a two seed. Tennessee should be higher. Oh, than a please, five seed. please go off on that. Like I don't understand how you have them as a five seed when they're in contention for winning the SEC. A lot of people's picking them to win the SEC as they should because they're going to be deep, talented. Luke Vaughn's a hell of a coach. We already know this stuff. So I think it's blatantly disrespectful and blasphemous that Tennessee is a five seed and Michigan State's a three seed. No offense to Tom Izzo and Mr. March as we dubbed him two years ago. He should not they should not be a three seed over teams like Illinois and Tennessee. I think that's blatantly disrespectful to Tennessee and Illinois. I they should be at least at least a three seed. I love your Stephen A. Smith there. Blasphemous. I literally just watched like a first take episode a couple days ago. Blasphemous. <laughs> so I had to get my but first no, you're, take a place. You're for right. Look, Tennessee's a five, Peyton. They're easily a two in my mind. Could be. I wouldn't put them over anybody else in the one line because I think those one lines are solid. But they could be like that fifth team on the bubble and outside. Illinois of fours, BS. You mentioned. I'm glad you said about Michigan State. They're just giving them the respect because Michigan State normally does what Michigan State does, but they're not a three seed right now. I'm sorry, they're not a three. If you're going to be fair and give North Carolina a six, which they are, then you got to do it the same way as Michigan State, a three. Peyton, Duke's a two in Raleigh, which should come as a surprise to nobody. Duke's going to be good, but are they better than North Carolina? Are they better than Tennessee? Are they better than even Illinois? I don't think so. I don't think so. Are they better than Texas Tech? They have Texas Tech a four seed. Peyton, when we talked the Big 12 a couple weeks ago, Texas Tech was one of my teams that could make a Final Four. So you're telling me Duke's better than Texas Tech right now? 
I don't think so. I did a Q&A, what was it, sometime last uh-uh. week. I did a Q&A on Facebook and Twitter sometime last week. I don't remember when it was. But uh, Stephen Decker asked a question, who I think had a better year, Carolina or Duke? And I blatantly said Carolina. They have more experience. I like their team better than I like this Duke team. Duke has one senior in Jordan Goldwire, and they had Joey Bayfield, I think, who's a junior. So they had no experience whatsoever. I think they're. I know they're going to be very, very talented, but they should not be a two seed. I just think that's Coach K and his legacy that he brings to Duke is why they're a two seed. And they got sick in Raleigh if this was the case too. So of course they did. But talking about this Midwest region, say like if all teams hold chalk and like all like the big time, the best, the better seeds hold chalk and get to like second round. Some of these second round matchups would be very, fun, very fun. Right. Virginia versus Stanford, one versus eight would be nice. Tennessee versus Illinois. Hold oh, that could be like an elite eight matchup. Oh, so is these next couple. North Carolina versus Michigan State. By the way, would that matchup be played at? North Carolina, Michigan State, sec- uh, first second round. Lexington. Lexington in Rupp Arena. That'd be fine. Um, Indiana versus Kansas and Wichita. So that those that region is tough. That's probably the region of death. I had to pick a region of death. Yeah, that would be brutal, actually. Yeah, I mean, Indiana, Kansas. I think the Hoosiers give the Jayhawks all they wanted and more. Yeah, I um, TJD could have a field day with Kansas's front line this year. This year's version of Kansas, um, that would be fun. Indiana would have to get by Arkansas first, and we just talked about Arkansas. Yeah, that's a dangerous team, uh, and historically in the tournament they've struggled with Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Um, I look up to. I mean, I went on a little rant about Texas Tech being a four. How about? No offense to Shock is smart, but they have them as a three seed in Dallas. Come on now. Come on. I just now seen that. Listen, I love Shaka Smart. I think he's a hell of a coach, but he is not ready for like a Power Six conference school. I don't think he is. I think he's a hell of a coach. I feel like he does better with like the UCF or like VCU. a mid VCU, like teams like that who mid major that like, he don't really have too much um, pressure on him and he can perform. But three seed him over Texas Tech, Chris Beard's Texas Tech squad. Come on now. What are we doing? Yeah, um, Kind of winding this bracketology version up, Peyton, a couple matchups in the first round that just excite the hell out of me. 8-9 in the East region, LSU, Memphis. Winner probably gets Villanova because they're going to cruise over 16 Colgate. Oh, oh my God. LSU's front line against Memphis's talent? You talk about a battle in Providence, Rhode Island. My Lord. I kind of mentioned it briefly on my recruiting podcast. Probably what bought. Tigers versus Tigers too. Yeah, I kind of mentioned it briefly on my recruiting podcast I just bought back last week. Um, that Memphis don't sleep on Memphis, even though they lost Wiseman and Achua. This team will be very, very talented because they bring all those freshmen back from last year's team, and I think Penny Hardaway is actually getting this team better than the way he was. So don't sleep on Memphis. That match will be super, super fun. Rounding this out real quick. Last couple things on this bracketology. If you looked at this, if this was real, starting tomorrow, first round only, what upsets do you see? Because I see two or three popping out at me pretty glaringly right now. Hold on. I just, before I answer that, I just seen something that's kind of pissing me off. We talk about Illinois as a four seed. How is Ohio State a four seed? Yeah, well? they lost quite a bit. How are they both four seeds? You telling me Illinois and Ohio State's on the same level of team? Died, whatever. Um... I'm not going to get into too involved with that. Upsets, though, I think the Louisville-San Diego State can be an upset. I think, um, who else? Let me look. I think UCI and Alabama could be very, no, very That's one of watch. them I had. Um, There's one that's hmm. sticking you out, and it's a it's a picture-perfect 
What every year is the most common upset in the first round? Uh, 15 or 12 over 5. 12 over 5. Go up to the West region in San Jose. 5 seed Houston, 12 seed Western Kentucky. Charles Bassey has himself a ball game against Houston. Knocks off the Houston Cougars. That would be one of the biggest ones I could see off the top of my head. Yeah, I think that's a good one. Uh, I mean, minor upset Arkansas over Indiana. Richmond over Michigan. Richmond brings back a lot of experience. Uh, Murray State over Ohio State even. Yeah. That's a good program. But it's fun to talk about. That's why we brought it up. He just released it. It's fun to talk about. His breakdown as of right now, the Big Ten leads all conferences with nine. The SEC, ACC has seven. The Big 12, six. The Pac-12, five. The Big East, five. The American, the West Coast, and Atlantic 10 have two, and everybody else has one apiece. So... That's bracketology for right now. It's always fun to talk about. But Peyton, what we're here, the main event for today, we're going out west. California love. Okay. We're going out to the Pac-12 to talk about a conference who historically has been good, but the last five seasons have been, to be honest with you, I think Cook said it in a message to us, and you'll hear his predictions later. He said there's six out of the Power Five conferences, which is true, I think. The Big East is better than them. But, uh, yeah. But they have been making some strides here lately. This year they're loaded with big-time freshmen and newcomers. Yeah. Between top, top, top five, or sorry, five-star talent, and then loaded transfers, it's raised the elevation of the conference we'll talk about. Looking back on last year, though. Well, actually, you know what? Let's take a quick break in the action. Let's regain our composure. Take a quick break, and then when we come back, we'll talk all things Pac-12. Recap from last year, going balls deep into this year, and you're going to hear our predictions. Let's just catch our breath for a minute, let the gym be settle in. <laughs> yeah, no shit. And hear a word from Cook and our sponsor, and we'll come right back on the other side of the break. You listen to episode 66 of the Everything College Basketball Podcast. We'll catch you in a minute. Today's flavor of the day, Pac-12. Pac-12 has historically been number five on the Power Five conference rank list. They have not done well in the past five to ten years historically and don't see anything like that to change. We'll start at the bottom of this conference, which rightfully so. The bottom feeder of this one is California. California there for a little bit was like 0-17, 0-18 in conference play. Took them God knows how long to even get competitively close to winning the game in the conference. So that's the main reason, the only reason why they are at the bottom of this. You know, Washington State, they're not going to uh they're not gonna fare out too well either. They're gonna be fighting for second to last, third to last with the likes of California and Stanford. I know some polls have Stanford maybe breaking the top 25 nationally. Well, I just I need to see a little more from them. I know they got a couple pieces coming back, and they combined to barely go over 200-500, <clears throat> struggling in the conference, but that's why they're going to stay down here, With in my opinion. Utah, nothing. The only thing good in Utah are the Jazz, so <laughs> these boys ain't going to do anything for them. Oregon State, Oregon State may have a 
little bit better of year than last year, but they still aren't going to crack in the top half of this conference. Then you got a then you got a mixture of teams that could could do something and could do could not could have an up or down year. UCLA, USC, those two those two could either end in the top five of the conference or be down to the bottom feeder, in my opinion. They just there's too many variables, too many names I can't pronounce. So you know I'm not even going to try that shit. But uh, Arizona State, I could see Arizona State being a being a problem for everybody in the conference. They've been getting better. Bobby Hurley, you know he's he's been a pretty good coach for these guys. Who else we got here? We got Washington. Washington had pretty high hopes last year and actually was playing pretty well. Had a couple good transfers. They got two nice incoming uh, freshmen as well. So, so look to them to be in the top, the top part of this conference. Arizona, if there's been any one of them that's been fairly consistent, Arizona's one. So see them up there as well. Colorado, Colorado was one of the hottest teams to finish in conference last year, and I don't see it to slow down any. Colorado is a big contender to win, win this conference, and Oregon. If there has been any team other than Arizona that's been consistent or on the rise, it's Oregon. For for such a shitty conference play they that they got to play against, you know, with the likes of California and Utah and all these turds, Oregon really has came on to to be a decent team nationally as well. But uh, I don't see any of these teams to crack the top ten in the national polls. We may see top 15, top 12 maybe. Don't see anybody here to to make any rant raves. Don't see any real deep runs from the conference. Just maybe a better overall year than last year. Still going to be a dumpster fire. Pac-12 sucks. Back to the Burton boys. Everything college basketball listeners, what's going on? It's Conrad Cushman from Everything Pro Wrestling. Everything Pro Wrestling is a show by the fans for the fans. And I'm here to let you know how you guys can catch up on all the latest and greatest in the world of pro wrestling. You guys can go to YouTube.com, type in Everything Pro Wrestling, give us a subscribe. We are over a 1,000 subscribers now, and we have achieved a YouTube partnership If you guys want to be in the live chats, come on in, join us, and talk pro wrestling. We record AEW Dynamite every Wednesday. We also talk about WWE, Ring of Honor, Impact Wrestling, New Japan Pro Wrestling, and your local indies, and much, much more. So make sure you guys are subscribed to Everything Pro Wrestling. You can also listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. All the live streams are transferred right onto there. But enough of me talking about pro wrestling. Let's get you back to listening to everything college basketball. Josh, March 31st of 1997 was the last time a Pac-12 team has won the national championship. Who played in that game? It would be an overtime classic up in Indianapolis in, I guess it was the RCA Dome then instead of the Hoosier Dome. Arizona beat the University of Kentucky, stopped them from going back-to-back. We're going back-to-back. Beat them in overtime. Miles Simmons was the MOP most outstanding player of the tournament. Had a great game. Um, A lot of Kentucky fans this day still say that had Patino decided to play um, Derek Anderson, even if he was hobbled, 
that we would have won the national championship of the year. It's hard to argue against. But And another historical fact, since you're trying to get me here, not only was it Lute Olsen who just passed away his only national championship, yeah, but it was Rick Pitino's last game coaching the Wildcats. Yep. But yeah. It is. Yep, yep. 1997, March 31st, was the last time a Pac-12 school won the national championship. It's been a very long time. Uh, just like the Big Ten, Michigan State was the last, 2000 was the last time. Who wants to play with Kobe? Oh, you're about to go blasphemous. Who wants to play with Kobe? I didn't have to play that, sorry. Uh, just like the Big Ten conference, it's been two, it's been like 20 some years since the Big Ten's won the national championship. Oh, Big Ten teams won the national championship, and same thing goes with Pac 12. It's been like, what, 22, 23 years? 23 years <clears> now. <throat> going since, on 24, actually, if you consider the tournament would be in 2021. They look to uh, stop that long, long droughts. When was the last time they even played in the final? Was it 2001 when Arizona against Duke? Um, I don't remember a Pac-12 team. UCLA, oh, do UCLA in Florida, Florida 2006. UCLA. Is anybody since then? No. I don't think so. So 2006 is the last time they even sniffed the final. Yeah, long time. They looked in that long drought coming up this year as they have some teams that probably could, possibly could upset some people and win the national championship, at least get to the final four. But as we do with all of our conferences, or the predictions that we always do with the conferences, we go back to the last year and talk about all the awards and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, let me do some notes real quick. Go ahead. Wrapping up last season, uh, Oregon won the conference going 13-5. and Surprising UCLA going, coming in second, only one game behind, going 12-6. and Peyton, remember UCLA started the year off booty, and we buried them on a podcast or two. But they, they strapped up their boots, their bootstraps even tighter, and they got to work. They had a good little year for themselves, considering everything went on. Um, UCLA was second. Oregon won the conference. Seven teams finished 500 or better in that conference. So not bad. And then here's a stat that just blew my mind. Every team had a winning record at home. Oregon going 17-0 and at home. Damn. But, but with the exception of Arizona State, every single team in the conference went 500 or worse on the road. Arizona State was the only team that went above 500, and they went six and five on the road. So it was definitely a tale of two teams in conference play last year, or between these conferences. I mean, Pac-12 would just dominate home court, but then if you put them on the road, they couldn't win a game. It seemed like <laughs> that's like Kansas from two years ago. They was almost perfect on home, but as soon as they go on the road, they trash. So it's surprising that the whole Pac-12 conference, besides maybe Arizona State, was. Historically bad on the road. Yeah. Go ahead and, um, Peyton, <clears throat> hit them up with yeah. the award winners from last year in the Pac-12 conference. Um, By the way, what, what's this conference called? <laughs> the Conference of Champions. Conference um, of Champions. So, the Pac-12 Player of the Year. Hold, let me pull up the rewards from last year. I just had it and I accidently deleted it. Let me pull it up. Yeah, I got them right no, I, I got them. I got them. I was going to say I have them. Uh, let me scroll down a little bit because I know all of them's right here. Where okay, I have them. Yeah, I got them. Pac-12 Player of the Year was uh, Peyton Pritchard, as it should have been. Uh, I think I we both do we both have Peyton Pritchard as our Pac-12 Player of the Year? Because I know I did. Let me. My Player of the Year for last year was Trace Tinkle from Oregon State. That's oh, that doesn't surprise me. Uh, Pac-12 Freshman of the Year goes to Zeke. By the way, what'd you nickname him? Which I thought was perfect. Oh, Closing Pritchard. Closing Pritchard. 
Uh, Pac-12 freshman of the year was Zeke Naji. I predicted Isaiah Stewart to be the freshman of the year. I had Nico Mannion. Damn, where he's both wrong. I um, had the right team at least, but Zeke Naji, a real quick one. Um, who do you, who got? Oh, you picked Isaiah Stewart, right? I picked Isaiah okay. Stewart. Okay, so Zeke Naji though he outperformed. Like he wasn't even the the best freshman on the Arizona team last year coming in. You had Nico Mannion, you had Josh Green. Yeah. Zeke Naji, the performances, he would put up 21-11 against Baylor. He would double-double against Illinois. He was just that – he was the only thing consistent for Arizona last year. He kind of came out of nowhere because I didn't really expect him. Uh, he wasn't even like a contender for like freshman year. I thought like Zeke uh, – I thought um, um, Isaiah Stewart, Jaden McDaniels. Um, One of the Washington Mannion, players. Yeah. yeah. I thought Josh Green could win freshman year. I did not really think about Zeke Naji. It's kind of impressive that he came out of nowhere and won it. But um, defensive player of the year last year for Pac-12 was Tyler Bay Jr. I had, I think, Kyler Kelly. We both did. Um, A guy at 7-foot averaging um, 3.4, almost 3.5 blocks a game. And it's not like he had a bad year last year, but Tyler Bay on the ball kind of basically stole the award from him. Yeah. We both had Kyler Kelly, though, for obvious reasons. Just a shot block rim protector. Uh, Pac-12 most improved player of the year was Chris Smith Jr. I think I had quite a green, which yes, I did. I, I did. I had Cody Riley from UCLA. Mm. Uh, talking about the first team, I don't have my first. Hold on, who'd you have most underrated? Because I had uh, Nick Ragosevic from uh, USC. Uh, I have Willie Martin from Arizona State. Yeah, I think you win. Yep, I definitely did. That's two in a row. Because yeah. I had Emmanuel Quickly from most underrated yeah. last. Who'd, who'd we have as all Pac-12? Well, give the list of who actually made all Pac-12 last year. Well, which they did like the SEC. Ten. Like, ten they have did. ten. They That's like, so dumb. Yep, they have ten for the first team and five for the second team. Did every team get a every every team got a player? That's ridiculous. That's so dumb. That is, and then they didn't do it for the second team. No, not at all. That's dumb. Absolutely um, dumb. Either starting off the first team, you got Oscar De Silva from Stanford. C.J. Ellsby from Washington State, Remy Martin from Arizona State, Zeke Naji from Arizona, Oni, say that, uh, I'm not going uh, to say Okonglu. Okay, from USC, Peyton Butcher from Oregon, obviously, Chris Smith from UCLA, Isaiah Stewart from Washington, Trace Tinkle from Oregon State, and rounding them off the first team, McKinley Wright, the fourth or fifth, I don't actually fourth. know, fourth from Colorado. So that makes me almost want to change the <coughs> go, but we just do our top five. I'm That's doing top dumb. five. I don't care what they That's so dumb. That, well, that. anyways, my top five I predictions last year were Trace Tinkle, Nico Mannion, Isaiah Stewart, McKinley Wright the fourth, and Peyton Pritchard. So I got, what, four of the five because Mannion didn't represent Arizona. Yeah. So I got four of them. I don't even remember mine. I know I had Trace Tinkle. I know I had White. Uh, I know I had Peyton Pritchard, obviously. I think it's like the only three I might have. I don't remember. Actually, not everybody did get one because Utah didn't get one. No, they didn't. Timmy not. Allen was Timmy second Allen. team. And yeah. California didn't get one. Bradley, so yeah. why not? If you're going to do 10, you might as well just do 12. I mean, should only do five, but. That's dumb. That's so dumb. Dumb, dumb, dumb. But is that all the stuff from last year? Uh, yeah. Ain't no wonder the Pac 12 can't win a title. They do stupid awards. Yep. Looking ahead to this year, though, Peyton. This is a conference that we figure on paper should be better. On paper, they should be better. Let's get into this year's predictions for the superlatives and awards. You can go a lot of different routes on Pac-12 Player of the Year. You can go with somebody established. You can go with one of the newcomers. 
I'll let you start because I think I have a big time surprise that's going to shock you, my player of the year. Um, like my most underrated player last year, uh, I have him predicted to win player of the year this year. He comes from Arizona State, and his name is Remy Martin. Remy Martin's one of the best um, guards in the nation, especially in the Pac-12. Last year, he averaged nine, roughly 19 points per game with four assists per game. Just getting buckets, dropping dimes, doing what he does. He's a senior this year, and he's going to be a big component why Arizona State will be like probably like top five, top six in the Pac-12 this year. I think Remy Martin's a hell of a player. That's why I'm predicting him to be most underrated last year, and that's why I'm predicting him to win Player of the Year this year. Winning one, Arizona I, State. I think that's a very safe, very fair pick because Remy um, poised to have a big year. I'm going off the beaten path in a way. For those who know college basketball, know this guy is the a big time scorer. He spent up until his career spent all of his time playing in St. John's. Red Storm uniform. Mm. He is a transfer to the Oregon Ducks this year. An immediate eligibility grad transfer. He averaged 14.5 and 4.5 and and rebounds last year for the Red Storm, along with 2.1 assists. Well, I guess he's not a grad transfer, but he should be getting elig- immediate eligibility is what I was trying yeah. to say. LJ Figueroa will be the Pac-12 Player of the Year as long as he's eligible to play. He makes a difference in Oregon and a team that are losing a guy like Peyton Pritchard, needs some more scoring. He will pair up with a guy like Will Richardson. I like LJ Figueroa because Oregon, in my opinion, will have a good year. And because of that, he will shine. 14 and a half in St. John's, I look for him to go about that again. 14, 15, 16 points a game. My Pac-12 player of the year this year, LJ Figueroa, as long as he's eligible to play, which I see no reason why he shouldn't be able to. Um, That's surprising. I, did, I know Figueroa is a great player. I did not expect that, though. Definitely surprising. Well, I, I mean, we put him over all the time when he no, played I mean, for St. Yeah. John's. He was on my shout-outs and everything before. Yeah, no, I mean, no disrespect to him. I'm not saying that he's a bad player or anything like that. I just with the candidates like Lemmy Martin and... Other guys, McKinley Wright, I think, could be an option for Player of the Year. I just did not expect LJ Figueroa, but hey, I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah, it's coming out of the box, but he's an experienced guy. I think he shines in Oregon's offense, especially considering, too. Let's go real quick. He shot, uh, where's this three-point percentage? He shot 38.3% as a freshman. Thirty. He dipped a little bit last year, 365 but he's still in that pretty good range. Mm-hmm. Oregon led the conference last year, shooting almost 40% from three. Yeah. So I think he can be right there, add a couple points a game to that total. I just, I think he's, I think Oregon's poised for another good year. I think he can be the catalyst for that. I like it. Defensive player of the year. I have Bryce Wills from Stanford. Why? Because he's a junior coming into this year. He made the all Pac-12 defensive team as freshman and sophomore. So, I think he's actually going to get it done this year and become Pac-12 Defender of the Year. Bryce Willis from Stanford. I got another incoming sophomore that had a pretty decent little defensive side of the year on freshman last year. I'm going to Brandon Carlson from Utah. Recorded 43 blocks as a freshman last year. And limited action, we would say, for Utah. 43 as a freshman. No reason as almost a 7-footer. He can't get close to that 70-80 block mark this year. I see him as Defensive Player of the Year in the conference this year. He was my second pick. 
I had him originally before I seen Boswell from Stanford. So I had I I like both of our picks. Freshman of the year. I'm. I, let me start because I see yours and I think you're going a different route, which surprises me. Freshman of the year, Peyton. I think it's unanimous on my end. The guy, what's he? Not only is a lottery pick for next year in the 2021 draft, but he's probably the number one player as of now. Huge get for USC. I'm going Evan Mobley. Uh, we've seen it historically with freshmen across the board, how they normally come in, top-tier freshmen, that is, come in and have a great year. I don't see any difference. He's going to play on a pretty good little USC side, too. Um, a team that wants to get up and down the floor. I could see him averaging about a double-double. As long as he stays healthy, he could – as long as he plays a whole year and stays healthy, he could do this year what we thought James Wiseman should have done last year. I see Evan Mobley as freshman of the year. I like the pick, obviously. Uh, on Lindy Sports, on the magazine, they have him as the number one incoming freshman. Um, I think that's a very good pick. But I'm going a little bit different. Uh, I'm going to Stanford. Just like my defender of the year, that's staying in Stanford. I'm going with Zion Williamson. Or Zion Williams. He is... Phenomenal. He can score. He's a McDonald's All-American. He's the highest-rated recruit in Stanford's program history. He is going to be big-time for Stanford. I think he's going to drop big-time numbers for them. I like the Evan Mobley pick, but I predicted the center to win the Pac-12 freshman year last year, and it didn't work out. So this year, I'm going to a guard position. I'm going with Zaire Williams. Most improved player in the conference, Peyton. Former Kentucky player. Going to the Arizona Wildcats, I'm going Jamal Baker, Jamal Baker Jr. I think, let's see, he averaged uh, 5.7 points per game, 2.3 rebounds per game. He was 73-23 assist turnover ratio. Playing backup point guard. He played backup point guard to um, Nico Mannion, but... I think he's due for not a big-time year, but I think he's going to improve those numbers. I think he can average in double digits. I feel like he's going to be able to shoot the ball well from three, and he could be like an underrated opponent for Arizona. Well, when he left, when coming into Kentucky, and especially after he left, his main deal was shooting the three ball. Yeah. You get him open, he'll knock him down, and he did pretty much the same at Arizona. But you look at the, the depth he had to play behind last year when he became eligible. He had Nico Mannion. He had um, Josh Green. He had oh Max uh, Max Hazard. Hazard yeah. So he had to play. Now I could, I think that's a good pick. As long as he can continue his three point barrage, limit turnovers. I think the offense sometimes could run through him. Um, I think it's a good pick. I do expect him to break out a little bit more this year. Peyton, I am going to Oregon again. I'm going in Folly Dante. Great centerpiece for Oregon. When he finally became eligible last year after having to set out because it was academic reasons. It was academic reasons, right? Uh, I think I so. think it was, it was academic reasons. But he didn't really, I don't think he ever really got fully started. I think he, he played a lot, but he never really got to show his potential because of everything. Now you're giving him a full year under his belt. You're giving him more time to grow. He's a man child, by the way. Uh, he, him and Kofi Cockburn coming in last year were like man child as freshmen. I think Oregon's going to be good for the same reasons. I just talked about LJ Figueroa. I think with Oregon shooting a three, Peyton, that also means long rebounds on misses. He's a guy that can chase rebounds down. I think this is a year he really breaks through, has a tremendous year, and gets his feet under him, shows out why he's a big-time five-star prospect. I like Infile Dante as most improved. 
I like it. I'm a huge fan of Rafael Dante. Um, last award, most underrated player of the year. He was your defensive player of the year, and he was like probably my uh, runner-up for defensive player of the year. I'm going to Utah, and I'm going to Brandon Carlson. Not only did he record 43 blocks as a freshman, as you mentioned earlier, but he also put up seven points per game. I feel like that's a very underrated aspect. Not only can he block shots and be a rim protector, but he also can pick up some numbers as well, offensive side of the ball. I think of he might take over for Kyler Kelly. Um, he could be, you know, Kyler Kelly was for er, or Oregon State. Yeah. Maybe this is another seven-footer block shots and scores underneath. Hey, Allison, that would be huge for Utah. And if he can be that guy, he can be like Kyler Kelly from last year's Oregon State team, then I think that could be huge for Utah. So I like Brandon Carlson as my most underrated player of the year. So this is a guy who came off of being, this is going to be a weird pick for most underrated, but just follow with me. Okay. This is a guy who was first team all Pac-12 last year. A guy on a team that I predicted to win the conference last year. A team that I was really high on, and I'm really high on him as a player. But with all that, when you talk Pac-12, his name doesn't get mentioned. We talk about the star freshman. We talk about guys that can follow Dante kind of back. I still don't think even this year, after an all-Pac-12 conference, as honestly a front-runner for Pac-12 Player of the Year this year, I still don't think people respect him enough, but you will. My most underrated is McKinley Wright the Force from Colorado. He's a guy that can go out and get you 20-25 on any given night, shoots the ball well, he's got good NBA prospects. I think he could be a guy who could spend 10 years in the league being like a second-round draft pick because he's got good sizing to shoot the ball. Um... I still don't think people talk about him enough, but you know, you know how I am. You go back to the previous episodes. McKinley right the force is the real deal, in my opinion. But I just don't think he's talked about enough. So there, he's my still most Pac-12 most underrated player. No bullshit. Before I pick Brandon Carlson as my most underrated player, I was thinking about McKinley right. So we have the same mindset. Though. I was thinking about him. You just don't him. hear about him like you should. No, because he probably because he played under him and Tyler Bay was like the two best players for Colorado last year. So you don't really hear too much about him. So I really almost picked McKinley right the fourth as my most underrated player. I think that's funny. So our we're just sticking to five like every conference should do, but our First team all pack 12. I'll start with mine, my yep. all conference. Obviously, LJ Figueroa, player of the year, has got to be on there. Evan Mobley, freshman of the year, has got to be on there. Remy Martin's got to be on there because he's going to be in contention for player of the year. Zaire Williams, I go with Peyton's freshman of the year because I think he's due for a big year for the Stanford Cardinal. And then I go to Arizona, but I'm going James Akinjo. This is a year of the conference of big time grad transfers yep. or transfers. James Akinjo, LJ Figueroa, those guys are going to make differences because not only did they come from the Big East, but they were big-time scorers in the Big East. They're coming to the Pac-12. They're not coming from a small, itty-bitty conference. Big-time experience, big-time players. They were all Big East-type players anyways. Why wouldn't they be all Pac-12-type players? I think it's just simple common sense. My Pac-12 first team goes my player of the year, Remy Martin, McKinley Wright the fourth, Timmy Allen from Utah, Evan Mobley, and Zion Williams. Timmy Allen, by the way, killed Kentucky in that game last year. Yeah, he averaged roughly about 17 points per game and 7 rebounds per game. So now that's out of the way, let's go into the Pac-12 prediction portion of this, Peyton. Starting at the very bottom, we both have the same club, so let's go to the former home of Clay Thompson. The former home of Virginia head coach, Tony Bennett. That's where he was coaching that before he went to Virginia. Peyton, the Washington State Cougars, um, they have Dennis Rodman's kids back for his sophomore year. But yeah. 
in a year where the conference is getting better, this isn't a good time to be lackluster. I just don't see much coming out of Washington State this year. Yeah, they only bring back two starters, Isaac Bolton, Bolton, I can't even say his name, and uh, A.J. Kunk, I can't even say Let his me name. Let say it real quick. Right I there. Like, Ed Jazz Kunk, something. I don't even know. Did you just call him a cunt? No. Um, All Jazz Kunk. Yeah, I, my, it might be Kunk. I don't know. I have no clue. Either way, they only bring back two starters last year. DJ Rossman, Rodman, you mentioned Dennis Rodman's son. They ain't got much going for them. They finished what? They finished 11th in the Big 12 of the Pac-12 last year, 6 and 16, 16 and 16 overall record. I think them and along with my 11th school is just going to be a very bad year for them. Yeah, I just don't see Washington State being that good. Moving on up to 11th, I'll go with mine first. 11th in the conference, Peyton, I'm going to Oregon State, who's taken a step back. They had been make, had a couple good years where they're NIT kind of quality. Last year, they lose. I mean, they're losing two guys that are all-timers in that program, big-time Pac-12 performers. Trace Tinkle averaged almost 20 a game. Um, and then Kyler Kelly, one of the best shot blockers, rim protectors in the league and in the nation, for that matter. They lose those two guys. They're not really bringing much back in in the way of that to suffice. Let me... Turn to my notes here. Help me out real quick. Yeah. Uh, let me see. Oregon uh, State. Oregon State. Right, State. right there. So, yeah, they're not really – I mean, they're losing Trace Tinkle, Kyler Kelly is the only two they're losing. They were fourth in scoring last year, but, again, they had a 20-point score in Trace Tinkle, 12-point um, score in Kyler Kelly. They were 10th in rebounding margin. You know, they shot the ball well, third in shooting percentage. But Peyton, Alfred Hollins could be good as a senior – you know, he played 93 career games with 53 starts. Ethan Thomas is gonna, or Thompson's going to be their big guy. He averaged 15 a game. Um, but can he be good enough as a senior to carry the load? Shoots the ball well. I don't know. Um, because of that, because there's too many questions and not enough answers, I'm slotting Oregon State down there in the 11th spot. But, you know, I'm just looking here at uh, – Tarek Silver should be the backcourt running make of Ethan Thompson. Here was 12.1, shot 45.5% from three at Tallahassee Community College. Is one of the better community colleges keeps producing big-time players um, out of that rank. So that could be a big-time um, piece, but we still don't know how that translates to the D1 game. Because of that, um, oh, and Jared Lucas, I don't want to forget him, too. Shot 34.2% from three as a freshman. Averaged almost five a game. But it's not a lot, and I we keep harping on it. The Pac-12's got better at the top. So Oregon State, I think, takes a step back this year, but could set up for a better 2021-22. Uh, the team I have 11th uh, is California. Uh, Cook mentioned it in his um, thing that he was talking about, how California's just not been very good. What was it, two years ago, there was like 0-17 a conference player or yeah, something like that. Yeah, that like, was bad. Was, it was bad. I think the only two wins was like against Washington, both Washington teams. Yep. So this year's just not going to be any fun for them. They bring back Lost Thiemann, who started 18 games as a freshman, only averaged three points per game. That's not very good when as a starter. Bring back Matt Bradley, who shot 38.4% from three. Led the team in scoring last season with 17.5 with five rebounds per game. So that's good. Uh, they bring back Grant Utisvich. I think I said that right. Kind of hope I did. Uh, he's the only player to start all 32 games for Cal last season. 8.5, 8.3 points per game with roughly 5.5 rebounds per game. 
They got some guys returning for senior or for starters, but really got nothing coming in. Um, two, their Cal's record in true road games was two and twenty over the past two seasons. One and ten in the twenty eighteen season and twenty nineteen season. That's terrible. Yeah, that's wow. That's historically bad. So California bottom tier team in the Pac twelve. Yeah, uh, number 10, Peyton. This was my most disappointing team with them in Florida in all of college basketball last year. Number 10 for me is the Washington Huskies. Last year, we had I had them top four in the conference. You thought Isaiah Stewart and Jaden McDaniels and getting a transfer in Quaddy Green and guys like, um, oh, where's his name? Where's he at? Isaiah Carter and company. You know, you thought that they would be... They'd be good, right? They end up going five and thirteen, finishing dead last in the conference. They could never figure the two three out. They just remember, and at the beginning of the year, they played Baylor good. They almost beat Baylor at the beginning of the year, and then they started sliding. Washington, they lose Isaiah Stewart and Jay McDaniels. Everybody knew they were one and done. Isaiah Carter's back. Quad A Green. Is back, but will he get, keep his head under him? He was academically suspended there for a while. We know what he could do at Kentucky. He could get on fire, but there's no coincidence that when he transferred out, Emmanuel quickly became a star. I think Quade's biggest issue is, yeah, he can be good, but he takes some dumb shots at times. He, it's like he has no um, IQ of when, when it's the right time to pull and when it's the right time not to. So will Washington be better if they bench him and go with Jamal Bay at starter, who started for him um, when he was suspended anyways? Yeah. Too many questions. Um, they lost too many big pieces. I just don't see Washington. I'm not getting my hopes up this year for him like I did last year. So I have Washington finishing 10th. I have Oregon State finishing 10th. You mentioned Trace Tinkle and Kyla Kelly losing out on those two big-time pieces for them. Lose out on the line scoring with those guys, Tinkle and Kelly. But uh, you mentioned Ethan Thompson, top returning scorer and rebounder from last year's team. Roughly 15 points per game, four and a half assists per game. Uh, Jared Lucas shot 34% from three as a freshman. Uh, I feel like he's going to keep those numbers this year. Isaiah Johnson, three-star power forward prospect from California who's coming in. I feel like he could be like an underrated freshman for them. Um, they got some pieces coming back. Tyreek Silva, you mentioned, 12.1 points a game, 45.5% from three. I think this Oregon State team's definitely going to take a humongous step back. I think I had them maybe like top six last year in the Pac-12. I just don't think they have. Losing out on Tinkle and Kyler Kelly is just going to hurt them a lot. And you don't have like too many talented freshmen besides maybe uh, Isaiah Johnson, who's a three-star coming in. So I think it's going to be a struggle year for them. They're taking a humongous step back. So Oregon State as my number 10 school. Moving on up to number nine, Peyton. Number nine, I have the Washington Huskies. For everything you said, Quade Green, he only played for like eight games, uh, had six assists, had six plus assists in eight games before academic suspension. 11.6 points per game. They're bringing a junior college transfer, Nate Pryor, who's a capable scorer, passer, and rebounder. Um, I do like their, um, I do like their experience they got. They got a couple seniors, Shamir Wright, who started. More games than any other Husky ever, or not ever, but last year. He started 52 games, and he's a senior this year. That's incredible. 
Uh, and Isaiah Carter, senior, fourth-year player, has a chance to lead Washington in scoring, 12.2 points per game. You mentioned Jamal Bay, who assumed the point guard role after Carter Green's suspension. I do like this. Raquan Battle is a former four-star recruit. I feel like he's going to get a starting job. I feel like he's going to have a pretty decent year for Washington, as he's going to have to. Um, Eric Stevenson coming in, who helped lead Wichita State to consecutive 21 seasons. 11.1 points per game, 4.7 rebounds per game, and 2.3 assists per game. I don't mind losing out to McDaniels and Stewart's definitely going to hurt, though. Um, I don't think they have enough coming back in, so therefore I have them ninth. Yeah, my ninth place team is going to be the Cal Bears. I think they are getting better. Mark Fox, I hired him as head coach last year, was a good start. Um, because he was solid at Georgia. His whole time, he was never great, but he was solid. I think it's what Cal needs. You talked about all the pieces that they've got coming back in that they needed. Matt Bradley being the most important. Even yeah. that 2-20 and record on True Road Games in the last two seasons. Matt Bradley's a guy who could be for right there player of the year in the conference. Um, they bring a couple three-star kids from right there in the state of California. Will Cal be good? Will they even be 500 at the conference? I don't think so. But can they be six wins, seven wins, upset somebody? I think so. I think they're on the right projection, though, with Mark Fox. If he keeps bringing talent in, three, four stars, maybe pop off the occasional five star, then we're talking Cal being back in business. But for right now, I think it's a step up. They will finish ninth in my predictions in the conference. And... That's pretty much that for the Golden Bears. Moving on up to number eight, this is where things get interesting. Because to me, these top eight teams, they're not all going to make the tournament, but here's where, in my opinion, we start getting bubblicious teams. For me, starting off in the eighth spot, Peyton, finishing eighth in conference, right there in the mix with everybody else, I'm going to the Utah Utes. Now, keep in mind, they bring back Timmy Allen, who mentioned that had a huge game against Kentucky. What helps them, he declared for the draft and removed it in July. Yeah, He's almost an 18-point scorer, 17.3 to be exact. They bring in a couple freshmen, three-star Pele Larson. That has to be a Sweden. Oh, yes, is. Three-star prospect from Sweden. Huh. They bring in freshman Ian Martinez, averaged 23.9 as a high school senior, big-time scorer. Um, they bring back senior Alfonso Plummer, who broke the Pac-12 tournament record with 11 threes, not last year, obviously, but the year prior. Brandon Carlson we talked about. This is a team that knows how to win, and they only really lose Both Gack, uh, an 11-point scorer a game. They were, this is a team who averaged fifth in scoring the Pac-12, 70, almost 71 a game. They were bottom-tier scoring defense, so that was their problem. They had scored 70.9, they gave up 70.3. Can't win a lot of games like that. Um, shooting percentage, they shot 45% from the field. So if they can lock up defensively, where were they at rebounding margin? Yeah, they were fifth, they were plus 2.7. If they can lock up defensively, more so than the normal, they have enough scoring, especially bringing a guy like Ian Martinez. Peyton averaged almost 24 a game as a freshman and sorry, as a senior in high school. Three star Pele Larson. Normally, those Europeans are good at what? Um, who shooting the three ball? That, oh, yeah. That's the answer. And then you can't forget about a guy like Riley Batten too, six nine junior. Uh, came up in big wins over BYU and Kentucky. Averaged almost eight a game. This is a team who can score the basketball. They're built to score 75 a game. But can they limit their other teams that they're playing to 60, 61, 62, you know, sub-65 points? 
if they can get at least a plus 10 scoring to defensive margin, then I think this is a team that could even win the conference. But because of their question marks on the defensive end coming in this year, I have them eighth. But keep in mind, I do think these top eight teams are all bubblicious, so Utah could easily sneak in the tournament. My eighth team is Colorado. I think, like Colorado last year, they had a chance to win the big the Pac-12. I think, did you predict them to win the Pac-12? I did have them eventually? win the Pac-12, yeah. I don't know if I saw if you did, but I know there's at least No, I had, I had them winning it. You did? Yeah. Oh, okay. I, don't I had them winning over Washington and Oregon. And Arizona. Oh, yeah, that's right, that's right, that's right. Good pick. Um, but yeah, they was in contention to win the Pac-12 last year. And they led it a few times. Led it a few year. times, but kind of struggled there later on and kind of basically pissed it away before Oregon eventually won it and UCLA finished second. But losing Tyler Bay, who's a defender of the year for the Pac-12 last year, is definitely going to hurt. But getting McKinley Wright, the fourth, is huge for them. He's a Pac-12 player of the year candidate for last year and this year. 14.4 points a game, 5 assists per game. Trishan DeSilva, who's the brother of Stanford standout Oscar DeSilva, who's coming in. They bring in, uh, they bring back Evan Batty, shot 52.6% from the field as a sophomore. Roughly nine points per game or roughly six rebounds per game. They bring back Deshaun Schwartz. I wonder if he's in relation to Charlie Schwartz. <laughs> <laughs> There's like 50 people who get that reference. I, I don't care. I just think it's funny. Um, he made a team high of 51-3, shot 36.7% from the arc. Roughly 10 of six or 10 points per game and 3.5 rebounds per game. They got some pieces. Losing them to Tyler Blaze is going to hurt. They was... Well, second scoring defense, a lot of that has to do probably with Tyler Bay and company. Second in the rebounding margin, there's plus 5.2. Um, fourth in three-point percentage, 35.1 from three. I feel like they should improve that. It can be like a top three team for three points. But I do like this Colorado squad. I just don't think Pac-12 is very like top-heavy, and that's all I have them eighth. I think they could be a sneaky good. I definitely think they're a tournament. Let's team. go ahead and stay with Colorado because they're my seventh team moving on. Or, wait, did I do eighth? Uh, I did Utah. So seventh, I have Colorado in seventh. For all the reasons you said, a couple things I want to point out. Tad Boyle is one of the most underrated coaches in college basketball. In 10 years at Colorado, this is going from the Big 12 to the Pac-12. And keep in mind, they've beat Kansas a couple times Yeah, when he's there. But... 10 years at Colorado, 210 and 134. He's almost 100 games over 500 at Colorado, Peyton. When have you heard Colorado being that consistently good and that long? Uh, it's been a while. So he knows how to get it done. Obviously, he's had to bring in people and replace people. You talked about, obviously, we talked about McKinley right to fourth, Evan Batty. Um, they bring in Tristan Da Silva. And if he's anything like his brother, they've got a hell of a forward there. And here's the key. Former Tulsa standout Jariah Horn, the first grad transfer that Tad Boyle has recruited to Colorado, will be tasked with replacing some of the production loss with Tyler Bay leaving early for the NBA. Let's see if I can find some stats on Jariah. Oh, Horn, as a freshman at Nebraska, averaged 10.6. And then, then oh, he, he played as a freshman in Nebraska, then transferred yeah. For two years at Tulsa, where he averaged ten point six, he's a six seven, two hundred twenty pound or two hundred twenty two pound senior. If if they can piece it together, you know, Tad Boyle's teams are going to play hard and they're going to defend. If they they're the opposite to me of what I talked about Utah. Yeah, defensively, you know they should be fine. Rebounding the ball, they should be fine. They were second in the conference last year, rebounding thirty eighth in the nation, averaging a plus 
5.2 rebounding. So you know they're going to be solid on that end. If they can score the ball enough, this is a team last year averaged 70.9 points a game just like Utah did. If they can up that, if they can get between 71 and 75 points a game with their defensive identity, now we're talking about Colorado being, you know, tournament good, top half of Pac-12 good again. Because you know defensively they're going to be solid, but can they give McKinley Wright the fourth enough help scoring the basketball? It's yet to be determined, but I'll, I don't count out Tad Boyle. To me, he's one of the most underrated coaches in college basketball. Yeah, um, I do like this Colorado squad, as I mentioned. They also bring in, I didn't mention this, Dominic Clifford, who's a freshman, 6'5", 175 pounds, who's an in-state recruit, averaged 24.5 points per game, 13.3 rebounds per game, and 6 assists per game as a high school senior. If he can do either half of that in the Pac-12, Colorado will be probably top five. But I'm keeping them as my A school right now. Um, who is your seventh? Did you mention? That? I just mentioned Colorado is my seventh. Oh uh, yeah, that's right. Okay, my seventh goes to Arizona. Real quick, real quick, real quick. I mentioned the top eight schools to me are Bubblicious. Where where's your cutoff on these? Uh, top six. Uh, top Bubblicious. I think top eight's good. But yeah. I have like six teams going. Okay, I think that's about fair too. Um. Anyways, seventh goes to Arizona. Arizona loses a lot. They lose freshman year Zeke Naji, lose Nico Manning, Josh Green, Max Hazard, Dylan Smith. Stone Gettings, um, there's a lot when they lose. They lose a lot of That's production. Like seven players? That's like one, two, three, four, five, six. Five or six players they lost from last I'm gonna do some research. Keep talking. I'm going to do some research on how many points they actually lose. Even though they lost a bunch of that, they still have talent coming back. Jamari Baker, who's one of my most underrated player of the year. Um, Ty- Tyrell Brown, who's a senior this year, who's a high-volume scorer. He shot 33 or 30% from three at Seattle, 20.7 points per game. 6.2 rebounds per game and roughly five assists per game. They bring in a four-star prospect from Phoenix, uh, Dalen Terry, who actually Louisville was in on him at one point. I mean, I think we backed off on him. Well, Arizona stole him from us. Um, his three-point shot needs work, though, but he's a versatile wing. And he can finish at the rim. They do bring back, or they do bring in Big East freshman of the year, James Akinjo. James Akinjo is a big-time player. He was for Georgetown before he transferred. He averaged 13.4 points per game and roughly about like 5.3 assists per game. Also, they bring back, or bring in, I actually don't remember, Jordan Brown. Nevada transfer, I think it was a form of five star. He, he had a set out last year. Set out, okay. So he bringing was on those him in. really good Nevada teams with the the twins. Um, yeah, oh my god. I can, I can picture him. I Martin, can't think of, no, not Martin. Yeah. Oh, wasn't Martin? Yeah, it was the Martins. Yeah. I, I can't but you know, they were really good. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's a former five star, definitely a former four star at least, if he's not a five star. Tremendous player, getting him coming into this year is going to be huge for them. Um, I, I don't know how Sean Miller's still coaching, though. I'll keep on mentioning that until end of time. But Chase Jeter back for him? Mm, I don't see him on the list. I don't think he is. No, he, no he's not. He's gone. Oh, my God. Hold on. I'm doing these stats. They're going to blow your mind. Uh, they ranked third in scoring defense last year, first in the Pac-12 in scoring offense. So not only were they defending the ball last year, there's also putting up numbers in the Pac-12 at least. First and assist, average about roughly 15.5 assists per game. Third and three-point percentage. Looking at these stats, they was first in scoring, third in scoring defense, third in rebounding, 
second in turnover margin, first in assists, fifth in shooting, third in three-point percentage, and fifth in free-throw percentage. And where did they finish? They tied for fifth. Yeah, they went 10-8 and eight in the conference. They were disappointing. Well, let me tag team with Go you ahead, here. Yeah. Because I probably should drop mine predictions on them. I'm a little higher on them, I guess. But after doing the research like even further, because I was going to say I have them fourth. But since we're on the top of Arizona, Peyton, they lost 90% of their scoring from last year. Their top one, two, three, four, five, six. Top six scores and seven of nine. Ninety percent of their scoring's gone. And that's a team who finished first in the Pac-12 in scoring offense. Yeah, ninety put up seventy-six point four points per game. Ninety percent of their scoring is gone. Oh my dear God! Here's another thing on Arizona though. The reason we were high on them last year because of the recruiting and everything else. And there's a reason for it. Peyton. They started the year off unbeaten. They yeah. went what one two three four five six seven eight nine and zero before getting beat at Baylor. Then they win a game and then they lose Gonzaga and then they lose uh, St. John's. They beat Arizona State then lose at Oregon at Oregon State and then they were wishy washy. They beat Colorado who was ranked. Lose at Arizona State to get swept. They go on three game win streak. Lose the UCLA at home. Win three in a row then lose. To Oregon, lose at USC, you lose at UCLA, beat Washington State, lose to Washington, and then turn around and beat Washington again in the Pac-12, and then had to play USC and got canceled. They disappointed in a lot of ways. Didn't they beat Illinois last year? They did beat Illinois ninety to sixty nine. I remember watching that game. It yeah, was, I was in it Illinois. Too. That was a game that Illinois. Um, uh, oh my goodness, I can't think of his name right now. Their best player, help me out. Hey, Don Suma. Don Suma went off, but Nico Mannion, Zeke Nagy really got put on the map. It was a good little game. Yeah. But 90% of their points are gone. I have a fourth. I'll explain why here when I get up to it, but I'm a little higher on that, but I can definitely see. I'm, who loses 90% of their score that's, and survives? That's going to be a tough battle to climb. So... That was your seventh place team? Seventh, yeah. So moving up, my sixth. The top six to me are all locked in the tournament here. Same. My sixth place team, Peyton, I go to the USC Trojans, Andy Enfield squads building a good little team. You got Isaiah Mobley's already back. He's already there for he's a he's a junior, right? He, yeah. He averaged twenty point three points a game as a freshman. Or minutes per game as a freshman, sorry. But he brings back, he brings in his younger brother, the number one, well, they have him number three, but other sites had him number one player in the class, Evan Mobley. Peyton, before I get in the rest of USC, as a recap, since this is your forte, what kind of player is Evan Mobley? What can people down there in SoCal expect? Uh, he's more back to the basket. He can't really stretch it out and hit shots like a normal, like, big-time uh, front court player can do nowadays. But he's more back-to-the-basket, which I like because I like old-school basketball when Sanders are back-to-the-basket. Uh, he's 6'11". Does he run the floor really well? Like He can run the floor. He's an underrated defender. Yeah, he definitely has a – he can definitely uh, protect the rim. But his blood and butter is being back-to-the-basket, though. So there's going to be some swag. That's, a, that's your big man down in the middle there. Also USC, too. Uh, they bring grad transfer Isaiah White – um, he transferred actually from Utah Valley last year, average eight and a half. So that's another experience. You know, it's the flavor in this conference, like we said, is grad transfers. 
Big time experience. Um, Going to help out. How about Chavez Goodwin? Started all 35 games last year at Wofford. Averaged 12, 12 points a game. Peyton, he also played on that Wofford team a couple years ago. Wofford's in. The SoCon. You know oh, my love for I the SoCon. Here's another transfer that they bring in. Taj Eady. Santa Clara transfers. His numbers dipped last year, but he still averaged nine points a game, which means he had to average 10 or more as a junior. Or the year before, I mean. Um, they bring in... Or they bring back Ethan Anderson, Peyton. Led USC in assists, 4.2 a game. That's going to be a big time. He started all their 28 games... Or he started 28 games as a freshman last year. 4.2 assists, 5.5 points a game. That's your starting point guard more than likely for him. How about wide receiver from the USC football team, Drake London? Yeah. Joined the roster last year mid-year. He's going to bring a toughness, obviously, athleticism. Yeah. Max um, Agbonk-Polo, I probably mispronounced that, a 6'8 sophomore. He appeared in 24 games as a freshman with one start. Only averaged 2.5, but at 6'8", 190, he could obviously improve. Another transfer, Long Beach State transfer, Joshua Morgan, 6'11", sophomore. Outstanding rim protector. Averaged 8.4 points per game, 6.1 rebounds last year. That's a candidate for Defensive Player of the Year. You pair him up at 6'11", down low with 6'11", Evan Mobley. Now you've got a big front line for for uh, USC. Yeah. Sharp shooting wing, Nathan Bauman. Made 81 three-pointers. Shot 45.5% <clears throat> last year at San Jose State. Another transfer. So this team is full of grad transfers with experience, a couple guys who played big-time minutes last year, like Ethan Anderson, and then a huge mon- monumental freshman, Evan Mobley. I think because of having to gel, they might not click until late in the year, but there's going to be a lot of talent. I think USC finishes six. I have them at over 500 winning record in the conference and make the NCAA tournament. I think it's a pretty <clears throat> good building year for USC and Andy Enfield. My sixth school is Utah Utes. Utah fan, it was tied in eighth last season, 7-11. Um, bring back Timmy Allen, who averaged 17.3 points per game and 7.3 rebounds as a sophomore. Before flirting with the NBA, the 6-6 wing already has 892 career points at Utah and will be the primary focus of the offense after shooting 44.1% and starting all, 30, all 31 games last season. Also bringing back starting forward Riley Button, who averaged seven, eight, roughly 8 points per game and 4.5 rebounds per game. The junior had 14 points on 5 for 6 shooting to spark a comeback win over BYU last season. And he posted 10 points on 4 for 5 shooting in the upset against Kentucky. So him, as long with Timmy Allen, had good games against Kentucky last season. Brandon Carlson, who's my most underrated player, who can you pick the win the defensive player of the year, yeah. who's probably my runner-up to my ultimately my defensive player of the year. Um, tremendous guy, 43 boxes freshman. I mentioned that. Not only can he block shots, but he can also pick up some numbers as well. Roughly seven points per game and 1.5 blocks per game as well. Even though they had him for being like a defensive guy. He was only 11th in scoring defense. That's kind of bad, especially in the Pac-12. Yeah. That's kind of terrible if you think about it. Um, and fifth in scoring offense last year, 70 points, or se- roughly 71 points per game. Um, I do like this. St- uh, Ryan Jones started 28 games as a true freshman. Average probably like 12, 10 points per game and like 4.5 assists per game. They got some talent. 
I do like this Utah squad. I do. I, I'm a huge fan of Timmy Allen. I think he's going to probably average probably like 20 points per game. I think he could win Player of the Year if Remy Martin doesn't win it or McKinley Light. I think he's in the contention for winning Player of the Year this year. I have him on my first team of Pac-12 this year, though. But, yeah, I do like this Utah squad, and I think they're firmly in the tournament this year. I think they can make a huge jump. If I can probably see them like a ceiling high, like a sweet 16. Ah, for sure, for sure. Um, moving on up the list, I'm going to continue our countdown. Fifth, Peyton. I go to the Stanford Cardinal. I'm going to keep it short and sweet. This is a team that defends well, rebounds well. Oscar De Silva coming back. Um, I think Stanford is a poise to make the tournament and be a factor. We'll see. This is another one of those iffy teams right in the middle of the conference. I have them fifth. Could they finish third? Yeah. Could they finish eighth? Yeah. But I think a guy like Oscar De Silva is a huge factor for them. I have Stanford finishing fifth. Short and sweet. Top five, going into it, I have USC finishing fifth. Everything you said, huge fan of Evan Mobley. I think Isaiah Mobley, he's very, very talented as well. Ethan Anderson led USC in assists with 4.2 assists per game and started 28 games as a freshman. Um, you mentioned everyone else. Noah Bauman obviously bring in, uh, bring back Drew Patterson or Peterson. Started 65 games in two seasons at Rice. Averaged 11 points per game last season. I feel like they have a talented team. They do lose five players, including guys like Jonah Matthews and Daniel Otami and obviously Onika Ogunwu. There you go. Um, they do lose a lot. But I do, with bringing in probably like a top three recruit, I think he's probably like the number one recruit um, in the nation coming in, Evan Mobley. Just a huge get for their squad. Um, the Mobley brothers are going to put up big time numbers. Joshua Morgan's going to do his thing as a win protector. Noah Bauman's going to hit shots. Drew Peterson's going to do what he does. I, th- I do like this uh, USC squad, though, and I haven't went fifth. Go ahead and up to the top four teams in the, this conference of champions. Tell them where you're at, Peyton. Going fourth, the Arizona State Sun Devils. Arizona State, Remy Martin. How can I not have him? How can I not start Arizona? We're talking with him because he's going to be my player of the year this year. Tremendous player. Luther Muhammad, former four-star prospect. Actually, never mind. He's actually sitting now after transfer from Ohio State. Forget yeah. that. Sorry. Um, Which, the way everything's going, though... He might still get cleared because you got to keep in mind this magazine was written back in the summer and there's been people who has been cleared since then. Actually, while you're talking, I'll see if he's cleared. Because if he is, that's a big time piece I didn't even talk about. Yeah. He was huge for the Buckeyes. Mm hmm. Uh, well, someone who's definitely getting immediate eligibility Holland Woods, Portland State transfer, 17.7 points per game last season. He's granted immediate eligibility. But he might actually take a red shirt, so that might actually change things. But either way, it doesn't really matter because they're bringing in Josh Christopher, who's like one of their best freshmen coming in this year. Tremendous get. He was looking at Kentucky before I think Kentucky got BJ Boston, or I think I think it's actually Terrence Clark. Before they Terrence Clark committed Kentucky, yeah. he was going to go to Kentucky. Who would but, you rather have, by the way? Um, who Terrence Clark or Josh, Josh Christopher. Christopher? Me personally, probably Josh Christopher. I think he's a better shooter than Terrence Clark. Really. I think he's a better scorer. Um, either way, you can't go wrong. They bring in Marcus Bagley, who's the brother of Marvin Bagley III, who played for Duke like three years ago. Um, versatile wing, who's number 29th in the national rankings. For recruiting, um, I do like this Arizona State squad. Chris Olsen averaged 11.1 points per game last season at Lee College. 
he is going to be a big-time player for them. But most importantly, obviously, I mentioned it, Josh Christopher. He's a baller. He's going to put up numbers. If they didn't, if Stanford didn't have Zaya Williams or USC didn't have Ellen Mobley, I'd probably predict Josh Christopher to win the Pac-12 freshman of the year. Because he's tremendous. He can flat-out score the ball. I'm curious if he has some... Um... I don't want to be disparaging, but we've seen it with big time recruits before. I wonder if his if he's got something upstairs that's going to prevent him from really blossoming. Because you see guys before, not just Kentucky, but with Duke, Kansas, now, where they really want to go to those schools, and those other coaches, for whatever reason, pick somebody else in their spot, and then they start messing around. Because we didn't at one point you think he was going to UCLA, and then he changes, all of a sudden goes to Arizona State, and. I just wonder if he's got some kind of uh, character flaw right now he's got to get through and if that'll hold him back some. He might, but also Caleb Christopher, who's his brother, played at Arizona State last year, and he's going to be playing for the squad this year as well. So he'll at least have his brother there to play with. But Josh Christopher is like the big-time piece for Arizona State. Him and Remy Martin's going to put up huge numbers. That two, those two guys are going to be big-time. Probably like the best backcourt, one of the best backcourts in the nation, especially in the Pac-12 at least. So I have Arizona State finishing number four. I think that, I think it's fair. I'm my fourth team, Peyton. I stay in the state, but I'm going Arizona. Like I said, I get it. We talked about it. they lost ninety percent of their score, right? They lose a ton of pieces, but they also bring back. We talked about Jamaro Baker. To me, James Akinjo is one of the biggest transfers in college basketball. Mm-hmm. We've seen what he was capable of at Georgetown. Yeah, he's a huge piece. He could slide in and fill a big gap in that scoring loss. I think Arizona has some good pieces. A guy like was it Jalen Terry that's there now? Yeah, Jalen Terry, a top seventy-five recruit. How should I put this? We've seen Arizona like last year disappoint with big-time recruits, but Sean Miller, for whatever reason. When there's not a lot of expectations. He did this at Xavier. He's done it early on in Arizona. When they're not predicted to be the best team is when they seem to have their better teams. Last year when they're predicted to be the best is seemingly when they kind of faltered. This is one of those situations you're not expecting a whole lot of a whole lot out of Arizona. And I think this could be one of those years where he, he overperforms as a coach and gets the best out of his team. I have Arizona fourth for that reason. James Akinjo, to me, is a huge piece picking up. Yeah, I agree. So, top three, baby. Top three. Number three for me, the UCLA Bruins. I go, we owe Mick Cronin a huge apology last year. We shitted on him so hard, and then all he did at the end of the year was win ball games. Pretty uh, much. Finished second in the conference last year. He's got a pretty good team. Lindy's actually has them sealing Sweet 16, 14th nationally. They do lose Prince Ali's a, a piece, experienced guy that they're losing, but Peyton, they bring back quite a bit. Um, they bring back a guy like Cody Riley. They bring back, um, oh shoot, where's he at? I was just, uh, Tiger Campbell started, only Bruins start all 31 games, average 8.3 a game. And then they bring in some big pieces, Peyton. Uh, Johnny Juzang, eligible to play this year. Former Kentucky guy, just like Jamal Baker, known to be a shooter, transferred back home out to that area so his family could see him play. We've seen him at Kentucky catch fire. L- last year, 
If he gets going, he's a knockdown dead ball. Not just three-point shooter, but he's one of those guys that can bust from the corner. That's a big piece for him. Chris Smith, an all-pack 12 guy last year coming back. And they bring in, they brought in what, a top 10 recruiting class this past year? Uh, top 15, I think. Top yeah. 15. Where is their big piece? Because Deshaun Nix decided to go to the G League, correct? Oh, yeah, he did. I was going to mention that area later, but yeah, he, he went to the G League. I thought they had a big piece that they had coming in. I can't. I guess Jalen Clark, four star kid, all second All California team. But nonetheless, you talk about Johnny Juzang, Jamie Jacquez Jr., Chris Smith, Tiger Campbell. Uh, Jalen Hill was a 2020 All Pac 12 honorable mention selection, nine points a game. This is a team who was towards the bottom of scoring, but you keep in mind uh, Mick Cronin's teams at Cincinnati were always so good defensively. They were seventh last year, but you give him another year this year. They know his system. It's a lot like Chris Mack had to do with his version of the pack line at Louisville. You've seen Louisville's defensive prowess turn around. I think UCLA, I don't think they're 14th nationally good, but I think the top 25 good. This is a team that could easily win this conference, in my opinion. They've got a lot of talent, a lot of experience, and they're going to defend. Peyton, we found out, especially recently, defense wins championships. Don't count out the Bruins. I have them finishing third in the conference. I like it. Finishing third for me is Stanford. Stanford and women's basketball is probably like the best, one of the best teams in the nation. Oh, got top five. Always. Sure. Um, but most importantly, my defensive player of the year, Bryce Wills, they bring back, bring back Dijon Davis, who led a team with 117 assists, 55 steals last season, and averaged roughly nine points per game. Uh, bring back team's leading scorer and rebounding rebounder, Oscar De Silva. 15.7 points per game, 6.5 rebounds per game. Spencer Jones comes back to another starter. Started 29 of 32 games as a freshman last year. Roughly 9 points per game. But they bring in, I'll save the best one for last. They bring in four-star recruit from Nebraska, Max Murrell, who can fly out score, who can hit the shot, who can hit the three very, very well. And most importantly, my freshman of the year, one of the best freshmen coming in this year, Zion Will, Zaya Williams, 6'8 guard, 185 pounds, McDonald's All-American. I mentioned it earlier, he's the, he's the Stanford's highest rated recruit in program history. That is incredible for them. He is going to get buckets. He might lead them in scoring this year. I'll go ahead and put it out there. He's going to be like top two, probably lead Stanford in scoring. Um, phenomenal player. Him, Max Motors, two minutes gets for them. Bring back like three or four of the starters from last year's team who won 20 games. Overall record is 20 and 12. Tied for 7th, 9 and 9 in the Pac 12. I think Stanford's due for a big time year this year, and that's why I haven't finished in third. I think it's fair enough. On to the top two in the conference, Peyton. For me, it's the Arizona State Sun Devils. You have them fourth, I have them second. For all the reasons, Remy Martin's a big time piece in that cog. You talk about Josh Christopher, his uh, is his older brother, the other Christopher. Uh, yeah. I like this Arizona State team. I like what Bobby Hurley's doing because it just – I know Arizona State had James Harden, and in the past they've had some really talented guys. But historically, Arizona State, you don't go down there and win a whole lot. Plus, they have one of the coolest – and I hope fans are there to do it. They have one of the coolest, like, fan sections, student sections – because when teams are shooting free throws, they have that curtain. And every time the opposing team is down that way shooting free throws, they open the curtain and their fans do crazy stuff like 
deliver babies and stuff to distract them. <laughs> That's right, yeah. So, Arizona State is on the right upward projection. I have them slightly finishing ahead, who I have win in the conference again. Spoiler alert. Um, Arizona State, though, Peyton, is a team I think could get up and down, be a fun, exciting offense. This could be Remy Martin. I'm with you. Remy Martin, Josh Christopher in a backcourt could be as exciting as any duo in the country. So, I have Arizona State finishing second. Finishing second. Might be spicy, people. I got Oregon. And that leaves UCLA winning the conference. I'll talk, about more, I'll talk about more than him in a minute, though. I have Oregon second. LJ Figueroa coming in. Who was your player of the year? Yep. Kind of surprising, in my opinion, but I think he's a very talented piece. Could be player of the year, definitely. Bring in top 75 recruit from Michigan. Average 20 points per game as a senior, Jalen Terry. UNLV graduate transfer, uh, Amari Hardy. Average 14.5 points per game for last year. Bring in St. Peter's tri- transfer, uh, Aaron Estrada, who was the 2019-2020 MAC Freshman of the Year. Bring back Addison Patterson, um, who to bring back guys like Infali Dante, Addison Patterson, and Chin Lawson. I think he's the brother of Dedrick Lawson, if I remember yeah. correctly. Um, and the returning Chris Waterway, who's the only returning starter from last year's team, who won the Pac-12. And... Luke Ward coming back, who who's a win protector, who actually registered last year, so that's going to be a good piece for them. And funny, they bring in Sabrina I, I can't I- Ionesca. Ionesca, her brother, um, Eddie Ionesca, who, who's a walk-on. Not going to be much, but I think it's going to be funny. It's funny, and God, her, his sister's so good. Yeah, wow. God, um, she was the first player, what we mentioned it last year when she did it, that score over 1,000 points, 1,000 rebounds, and 500 assists or something crazy like that. She's yeah. unbelievable. Well, I, yeah. Yeah, I, unbelievable. One of, like, the best, like, women's players I've seen, especially in this last decade. Like, she was phenomenal. And I know she's doing big things in the WNBA as well. Um, bring back, or oh, bring in uh, Eugene Amoy, who's a transfer, average 13.8 per game and 7.2 rebounds per game at Rutgers. Uh, but in Folly Dante, getting him back is just incredible. I feel like he's due for a big time year. Also, Eric Williams Jr. is a transfer from Duquesne. I can't. Duquesne. Uh Average 14 points per game, 8.2 rebounds per game. Dana Allman's a hell of a coach. They won the Pac-12 last year, as I predicted. I think they definitely could either win a share of the Pac-12 this year or definitely top two. Um, Cook mentioned it. They wanted them, like Arizona, is like one of the consistent teams in the Pac-12 that can do stuff in the tournament. I don't expect anything less from Oregon. I just think losing down and closing Pritchard, Peyton Pritchard, is tough. Um, C.J. Walker transferred to UCLF. If he had him, I'd probably predict them to win the conference. But I do like this squad. I just don't think it's enough. I think UCLA is going to win the Pac-12. Let me speak on Oregon because that's my favorite. Oregon has now became, especially since Dana Altman took over, he was good at Creighton. He's been great at Oregon. They have now become the gatekeepers of the Pac-12, in my opinion. It's almost not quite Kansas domination by any means, but it feels like every year you have a conversation now. Who wins the Pac-12? You instantly have to put Oregon at the top of that list. Um, Lindy's has them, Sweet 16, uh, ceiling, 11th national rank preseason. I can buy into that. Oregon's going to be good. You talked about it. Yeah, they do lose the closing Pritchard. He was a huge all-time piece. And they, to me, they lose Francis Okoro, who's more important than C.J. Walker, because he blocks shots athletic around the rim. But C.J. Walker, he, he transferred to UCF? Uh, yeah, he went to Central Florida. Okay. So rankings, Oregon last year in the conference, 
70, basically uh, 75.9 points, almost 76 games, second in the conference. They were sixth in scoring defense, sixth in rebounding margin, fourth in turnover margin, third in assists, led the league in shooting percentage shoot 47%, led the league in three-point percentage shoot 39.6, and their only, like, qualm was 10th in free throw percentage shoot 70% a team, which still is not terrible. You talk about guys they bring back. Will Richardson, Peyton, 11 points a game, and Fale Dante's back. They bring back Chris Duarte, who was a starter for them last year, 12.9. They bring back Chandler Lawson, shot 51.8%. They bring back uh, Addison Patterson, who, you know, averaged a 12, well, almost 11 minutes a game, shot 36% from three. Now let's talk about the grad transfers. They bring. LJ Figueroa, 14 and a half. Let's do the live math with us here. In grad transfers alone, how many points they're bringing in? 14 and a half from LJ Figueroa. 14 and a half from Amari Hardy. That's 29 points a game. 14.1 from Eric Williams from Duquesne. So that's going to be what? 43.1. Um, I've seen another transfer they had. Oh, Eugene Omorori. Transfer from Rutgers, one of their best players. 13.8, basically 14. So let's just do it there. That's 57 points in grad transfers they're bringing in. On top of guys like Will Richardson, who averaged 11 points a game last year, and Fale Dante, 6. Long story short, Peyton, they averaged 75.9 last year. And people they're bringing in and returning, not to mention Jalen Terry, a top 75 four-star recruit from Michigan, averaged 28 and a half a game as a senior. And they're bringing in St. Peter's transfer, who was last year's MAC MAAC freshman of the year. This is a loaded team with experience, with talent, four or five stars everywhere, big-time playing experience, and they shoot the three ball really well. How in the world this Oregon team won't average 80 points a game is beyond me. This is a very, very, very good Oregon team. This is the team we've talked about other conference previews. I'm throwing Oregon in the mix with Gonzaga, with Tennessee, with Baylor, Kansas, Texas Tech. Oregon's that good to me. I love this team. Look at all that points. The only way they can screw this up is if they just choose not to share the ball. I think their only weaknesses maybe could be on the rebounding side because really their only bigs are in Fale Dante down low at 6'11". Yeah, he's their biggest guy. But if they choose to go small and spread you out and play a modern style basketball, that's a team that could easily average 80 a game. And they shot thirty, almost 40% last year. I don't see why they couldn't do it again this year, bringing guys like LJ Figueroa. Pape Oregon, tell me how they're not the best team in the Pac-12 and arguably right there with Gonzaga, one of the best teams on the West Coast. I love this Oregon team. Last year, I predicted UCLA to finish eighth. Kind of disrespected them. Ended up, what, finishing second behind Oregon? Yeah, a game back. This year, I'm picking UCLA to win the Pac-12. Why? It's because Oregon's very talented, but they only bring – I know all the talent they bring in, especially all the transfers. What did you say, 50-some points? Like, yeah, almost 60 points a game in Almost 60 points for games and transfers. Losing out on Peyton Pritchard, like, like C.J. Walker, Francis Accord, guys like that. Yeah, I know. Only bring back Chris Duarte is the only returning starter from last year's team. Who won the Pac-12? The reason I'm picking UCLA to win is because the UC, UCLA brings back all five of their starters from last year's 19-win team who only finished a game behind Oregon in the Pac-12, including Chris Smith, 
who was Pac-12 All-First Team last season. UCLA do loses out on top of who Deshaun next. Just saying, if they had him, it's undeniable they're winning the Pac-12 if they had Deshaun next. I still have him predicting the win, obviously. But next, he decommitted and went to play the G League. That's no here, no there. That's whatever. But UK transfer Johnny Drazung, he's going to come in, he's going to hit shots. I told everyone a couple years ago when Johnny Drazung committed to Kentucky that I thought that was the wrong fit for him. I thought he should have went somewhere else. Well, it stay turns closer out, to home. Stay close to home because he's from Cali. I told, I told everyone that and nobody wanted to agree with me. Well, now, now you should agree with me because I was collect. It was the wrong place for him to go. Um, and ultimately, I think he's that way he should have been at the whole time. He's at UCLA, and Mick Coney's going to do very good things with him. Um, all around, they have a deep, talented, experienced team that can win the Pac-12. I think it's definitely them in Oregon, top two in the, top two in the Pac-12. Um, both teams are going to be phenomenal, but since UCLA brings back all five of the starters from last year's 19-win team, um, I just think it's hard to deny that UCLA is going to be very, very good. And that's why I'm winning the Pac-12. So you have UCLA back on top of the mountain in college basketball West. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's fair. Um, it didn't really dawn on me. I'm glad you had that stat. It didn't really dawn on me. They have all five starters. Because of that, I'm actually going to change my prediction of UCLA third. I'll have them going second behind Arizona or behind Oregon. Arizona State drops to third. So I will officially change that. Because of that, I think we've seen how talent is great. But especially early in the year, experience is even greater. It's even better when you have experienced talent like UCLA will have. So because of that, you've swayed my opinion there. UCLA will finish second now, Arizona State third. I'm right there with you. I I love this Oregon team. I think UCLA, where they could get them, though, is the defensive end where Mick Cronin and on the front court, the front line like I was talking about, could give Oregon problems. How about how awesome will that be though that we get to see those teams play twice at least? We'll at least see them play it twice, so that's going to be fun. I didn't even really mention this, but they're big as well. They have only like their two faults is they have a six-two guard and five-eleven. The rest is like six-four or bigger. I think yeah, the smallest player on the team is five-eleven, who's Tiger Campbell, who can get buckets, and six-two Russell Strong. The rest is six-four or higher, so they got length. They got length, they're gonna be able to defend, and that's scary. So UCLA's winning the Pac-12. Yeah, Call I think I think, and I know, and I I'll follow him. I'm a big fan of Johnny Juzang. He really came into his own last year for Kentucky, shooting the three ball. He's a guy that if UCLA can get going and spread teams out, what they shoot last year, they shot 32.3 percent, tenth in the conference. Juzang will help that percentage, but if UCLA could shoot a little higher. Keep their defensive identity. Now you're really cooking with gas. Um, so UCLA and Oregon, we have difference of opinion there, but I think we both agree that those two teams are really, really talented and special. Yep. So there it is. There's the Pac-12. Officially, we have eight teams that are bubblicious teams. I think six is about the number that will get in the tournament this year. Yeah, I have six going in. I have eight. I have two other teams that can possibly make it in there. So there's the Pac-12. A conference should be back on the rise. That'll be fun to watch. But next week, we continue our wraparound of the NCAA conferences. We go to the Big East, a conference that is slept on, in my opinion, that has a national championship contender and a couple other teams that could be Elite Eight Sweet 16 caliber. Looking ahead briefly, 
to the Big East, Peyton, what's your, what are you looking out for before we get there? It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to talk about the Big East. Big East, I'll see near and dear to my heart because we'll be playing there, Syracuse, uh, West Virginia, a bunch of like former teams who eventually left the conference, went to other conferences, used to play in there. It used to be one of like the, the definitely undisputed, like the best conference in college basketball, especially like a decade ago. It was just so big, and I think it's slept on nowadays because you mentioned a national title contender like Villanova and a couple other teams who can make a lead eight, Sweet 16. It's going to be fun. Um, I know our number one probably should be Villanova. Villanova should be. Should be. We'll see. Uh, once we do research on Big East and stuff like that and other teams, but like, nonetheless, it should be fun. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm looking ahead. I'm really ready to get my research because can a team like DePaul, who started the year off really hot last year, but faded once conference play started, can they get rolling? How does Georgetown recoup after losing big time pieces? Will Creighton have enough to really challenge Villanova? We know they'll be good. What about teams like Butler, who you never count out? Um, Seton Hall, I think they'll still be good, even though they lose Miles Powell. Or Connecticut. How about UConn coming back home? Coming back home. Could they reclaim the fun that they used to have? We'll see. So Should be fun. It'll be fun. So here's the remaining schedule leading in. NCAA officially kicks off November 25th. We've yeah. got the Big East preview next week. The following week, we're doing a wraparound of everybody else. The best of the rest. We'll talk Gonzaga. We'll talk BYU. Um, St. Mary's, the Max, so we'll hit SoCon. up Ball State, SoCon, to let you know what these small conferences. It'll be a wraparound look on that. And then two weeks, I guess, or three weeks, Peyton, it's time to start breaking down our top 25, the second official ECB top 25. And then after that, it'll be like a week or two, and then we can start actually breaking down first games and all that stuff. It's exciting times. Yeah. I'm super excited. Once we get the top 25 or top 25 time, uh, probably do what we did last year, like the 50 to like 26, and then obviously do like the top 25. Yeah, we'll release the last year with the website, but this year we'll release 26 through 50 on the Facebook page, and then the podcast will be solely dedicated to our top 25. And if anyone wants to help us do the top 25, please let us know because. Right now, it's probably just me and Josh until uh, until we like get a hold of people, see if they want to do it as well. But either way, top 25, I had so much fun doing it last year that I'm even more excited this year since we didn't get a, a tournament last year. So I'm even more excited for this year's preseason top 25 poll. I'm right there with you. So that's the Pac-12. Let us know what you guys think in the comments below. When this show drops, make sure, as always, you like, share, and uh, just spread the word that we're here. Buy our merch. Peyton will leave the link below. Also, if you haven't yet, go back and check Peyton's return episode of the Hot on the Trail of Mr. Recruiter. Because already, he dropped the episode on Wednesday morning. By Friday, he already hit two predictions right on the nose of the head. Um, he, unbelievable, fun episodes. I think he said he's going to try weekly. Yeah, I'm, def uh, I'm doing an episode probably like a couple days from now. So... Support our friends, too. You guys hear earlier, Everything Pro Wrestling, Conrad, Cushman, Peyton. Tell them real quick about the Everything Pro Wrestling. Everything Pro Wrestling is a show by the fans, for the fans. His podcast you can find on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Any way you listen to podcasts, he's most likely on there. 
Um, very talented. He, he's a very hard worker for what he does. And he also has a YouTube channel, so go subscribe to that. Because I think he has over like a hundred or a thousand subscribers on there as well. And the YouTube channel, by the way, is live after every big event. Every yeah. Wednesday night after... Um, AEW and NXT every Monday night after all every Friday night after Smackdown after the pay-per-views he's alive for about an hour afterwards go check him out send give us subscribe and please in the comments tell him the ECB sent you mm -hmm. let them know that we're supporting him. our intro is done by the always talented Wayne number 10 aka ghost flows tremendous intro We've got some big things playing down the pipe too that we'll work on hopefully by the end of 2020 we can debut a few things also be looking out when the We'll bring it back soon. The return of fan favorite segments, shout outs, bank on it, all that good stuff. And we talked about last week. We got a little bit of feedback. We're looking to bring back the YouTube channel. If you have any suggestions what you want to see on there, let us know. We're in the works of doing some fun live shows on there, but we're working on that. Um, I think is anything else you can think of to kind of wrap up? Uh, you mentioned the YouTube, and I mentioned it last week. Asking anybody if anybody has any suggestions. Obviously, we're gonna still do like the ECB in the zone class where we talk about all the big time games, especially when the Pick'em series comes back. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait for you to do that. Yeah. Who won last year? Was it Jarrow? Jarrow. First, first was uh, Jimmy Pillow. Jimmy Pillow, MSU. Shout out to Jimmy Pillow. Um, they're right now. They've won the first two years, so it should be fun. Um, we'll probably put out a date when we start that out again. But, also, shout out to everybody who listens to this podcast weekly and supports us. We really appreciate it. And big things coming. You kind of hinted at it. I'm not going to say too much no. about it because I'm afraid I'll spoil it. Yep. But big things are coming very, very, very soon. And I can't be more excited. And just like the DJ Khaled song, we taking over. That's right. Other than that, thank you for listening to episode 66 of Everything College Basketball Podcast, previewing the Pac-12 Conference. Until next week, when we see you on the East Coast, I'm Josh Burton. My name is Peyton Burton. Stay safe, stay happy, stay free. We'll see you in the Big East. Boom! Boom.